This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Bravo. Bravo. The last dance was awesome. The series is over. The five weeks went by fast, and I just loved every minute of it. And I just loved the extra stuff that came with it, too. Like the, the criticisms and other players talking about it, whether they were opponents or teammates. It was all great. It was all great, and it's what we sports fans needed, for sure. They did exactly what I thought they were going to do. I knew they were going to start off with the Pacers series. I knew they were going to talk about the 97 season because they had went back all the way in history. I knew they were going to go back all the way to Jordan's beginning and then keep revisiting the past all the way until we got the 98 and everything came back full circle. And that's what happened. So this episode, they talk about 97 and 98. They talked about the first finals against the Jazz, which the Bulls won. They had some game-winning shots. They had some really close games. That could have went either way. But at the end of the day, they won that series. And, of course, what comes out of that? The pizza story. The pizza story, which I've always wondered about. Like, why was there five guys at the door trying to deliver Michael Jordan pizza? Finally, someone came forward to share their side of the story of who delivered the pizza. And it wasn't five people. It was two. And... The guy that was in charge of delivering the pizza was a Bulls fan, a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, he liked the Jazz and the Bulls. So I don't think he's much of a basketball fan, honestly. Like a loyal NBA fan. It's like me. It's like me liking the Wizards, but being a Trey Young fan or something like that. Or or liking LeBron but not being a true fan of the team. Whatever. Anyway, he said that no one tried to deliberately poison the pizza. But I have a theory, though. Jordan was smoking cigars, which the guy confirmed. You know, he got to say hi to Michael. There's a bunch of people in his hotel room playing cards and smoking uh, cigars. Maybe, just maybe, the combination of that pizza, because Jordan ate it all. He was the only one to eat the pizza. Confirmed by multiple people, by the way. Maybe, just maybe, the combination of the cigar smoke and the alcohol and the pizza, maybe the combination of all of that caused him to be sick. Okay, maybe, I mean, it's 1997, maybe someone didn't follow precautionary sanitary rules but then again you can't run a food place without correct food safety but that's just me that's just me either way it doesn't matter Jordan came out and bald and it'll forever go down in history but it's confirmed it's food poisoning ain't no I'm not hearing no theories about no hangover well maybe it could have been a hangover too I think maybe everything just came together and the right stuff wasn't in his system and he got sick. As long hey, they won the game and they came back game six. Killing. They won the series. But wait a minute though. Oh, they were two two. I was about to say, wasn't the Jazz winning that series? Anyway. That that was interesting for sure. Uh they talked about the Pacers games three and four in ninety eight. The Bulls could have easily won both of those games. Honestly, looking at that part of the documentary made me realize, even though Jordan said Indiana gave them a tough time, that made me realize that only game six and seven were the Pacers, did the Pacers really give the Bulls trouble? They really have them on the ropes. Because they, they pretty much don't. If you watch that game... They had control of game seven for most of the game. But the Bulls just kept battling back. You know why they won? Because they hustled. They got a ton of rebounds. They got a ton of loose balls. They didn't shoot well at all. Go look at the numbers. Go look at the game. They didn't shoot well at all. 
but it's the little things. It, that's why they were just a little bit better than the Pacers in Game 7. But I argue that after looking at the documentary that it shouldn't even have gotten that far. It should have never got that far. The Bulls should have beat them in four or five. I'm not sure how. First of all, they let Reggie Miller get open for that three to win the game. And I'm not sure how Jordan misses that three at the end of game four. In game three, I think it was Pippen that missed those free throws. It was either game three or game four, Pippen missed two free throws. They gave away those two games in Indiana. They could have easily won one or two of those games, and the series could have been over. They let them battle back. They let them get confidence. Yeah, sure, they blew them out game five, but game six they won, and in game seven they they had control. They let them back in the series. They should have killed them. That's what I think. But Game 7 Bulls and Pacers will be one of my all-time favorite games. Not only because I vaguely remember it as a five-year-old, but just the significance of it and how intense it was, even though it was just bad shooting, just horrible shooting. Like, But that's 90s basketball for you. Just a lot of bad offense, like slow offense. Bad shooting offense. Not many threes taken. Just the nature of the game. People just throw it in the post. We don't play like that no more, dog. <laughs> I got to wrap my head around it. That's why it's so hard to play with 80s and 90s teams on 2K. Because you got to just go inside. Just got to keep going inside. Um, I like the post-game clip of Bird and MJ meeting after the game and MJ was like, you almost had us, damn you. <laughs> I'm, para- I'm paraphrasing, but that was funny. Uh, they talked about, of course, the second Jazz series, how the Jazz were supposed to be better, and they pretty much ran through the Western Conference in the playoffs. Hey, you know, it's cool. The Bulls were ready after game one, which they let slip away. Got control of game two. Game three. Game three, they won. Game four was a joke. It was a blowout. Then the Jazz battled back game five. And then game six, which they had game six, the movie, which they showed game six again with different camera angles. I watched the whole thing, by the way. It was amazing. But that one went back and forth, and the Bulls just took that one. It kind of reminded me of Game 6 versus the Suns where the Western Conference team had a late lead. They had like a four-point lead, and then Jordan gets an easy layup, gets the ball back, then hits another shot or passes to somebody that hits a dagger. They go up one. They win the game. Same thing. Same thing happened here. Same thing. That's pretty much Game 6, Jazz and Bull. But Hey, man, I loved it. I loved every Jordan iPad scene. Big memes have been made just by him holding the iPad and reacting to certain things. So when he did it at the end, it it wasn't as good. No memes really came out of that last one where he grabbed the iPad and heard Jerry Reinsdorf talk about um, dismantling the Bulls and rebuilding. Nothing really came out of that one. No memes came out of that one. But I loved it. But I still leaned in and hung on every word and just waited for him to do something out of the ordinary so we could all laugh and we could all have fun with it. That's another, that's another you know, unintended thing that happened in The Last Dance. All the memes and stuff that has happened from this documentary has been A1 and will be used forever. That's that's what happens when you do something with a lot of attention in 2020. Someone's going to make a joke out of it. Someone's going to make a meme out of it. And it's going to get used over and over and over again. And it's going to be something you don't even expect people to make a meme out of. You got to love it. Oh, my God. That last shot, though. 
I just love how Bob Costas described Jordan not pushing off on Russell. He's basically a waiter showing him to his table. Here you go, Mr. Russell. Here's your table. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Hey, yo. And then Jordan was like, no, I didn't push off on Russell. He was already going that way. But if he was paying attention early in the documentary, well, earlier in that episode, he said when he met Russell, he's talking trash. He pretty much got him. He pretty much studied him and he knew what to do from the jump. He said he played on his toes and one move and he was done. So he already knew how to beat Russell. He's known how to beat him. So he knew a good little crossover. He was done. He figured out Byron Russell in two minutes. You should have saw that shot coming a mile away. But hey, hey, putting Russell on Jordan did enough for the Jazz to be competitive. So why not? Why not? But the last shot is amazing. And the celebration was awesome. And it looked like from the parade and the celebration, it looked like they came together and it looked like, okay, maybe we could do this one more year. But then once the parade was over and the champagne dried up, what ended up happening is nothing. They all went their separate ways. Oh, the strike didn't help either. They all went their separate ways. It's a shame. Because I feel like maybe they could have came together and did it one more time. It's a shame. They just really thought, Reinsdorf and Kraus, that these guys were overpaid. And for the best interest of the team moving forward, it's best to let them all go, including Phil. I don't know. Maybe they should have kept everyone one or two more years. Maybe one. Now, would they beat the Spurs? I don't know. I'll address that later, though. But regardless, I love the documentary. I'll probably watch it again someday just because I can. Oh, another thing, Phil Jackson with the whole write what this team means to you on a piece of paper, throw it into the trash can, and I'm going to burn it. And that scene got emotional, and it kind of reminds me of my high school retreat right before we graduated we did the exact same thing and it was not a dry eye around that pit of fire i was one of the last people to speak because i but i was choked up like that it got to me man those if you really want to bring people together do something like that 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 really brought us together we had a bunch of clicks and everything. It was like 200 people in our class. We had a lot of clicks. We weren't always, we didn't always get along. But for that moment, we all came together and it felt like we were all one in that moment. And you just, it just brought back memories. It's like, damn, bro. Y'all make me want to go to my class reunion now. <laughs> I'm probably still not going to go. But that one made me, that one brought back some memories, and that one touched me emotionally. And that's what this doc has done to people. It just really has inspired and motivated people to be their best and to, um, I guess, look for inspiration. Like, just look at Jordan and apply the things he did to their life. That's what the GOAT level is. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm just saying. Oh, and they booed Jerry Krause. <laughs> they booed him at the parade. They already knew. They were hip 22 years ago that this guy just ruined everything. He he put together the team. He built up the team just to tear it down. It sucks. But I understand you got to look towards the future. I get it. I do this on Madden. That's why I traded Zach Ertz and cut Derek Barnett. But this ain't a video game. <laughs> you could have ran it back one more year. See, I had reasons. See, I was clearly going to be mediocre in this league. So why not? Why not get rid of people who cost too much? It's just the name of the game. I'm going out on a tangent. 
this documentary had a lot of backlash. Horace Grant didn't like it. It made him look bad. It made him look soft. It challenged his manhood. I, I can understand why he didn't like that. Isaiah Thomas, it made him look... But Isaiah Thomas, the perception of him has stayed the same. It just magnified it with this documentary. People see him as a snake. People see him as a dirty player. People don't like the bad boy Pistons. People don't look at them favorably. If you're a Jordan fan, you don't like how dirty they were. You don't like how they played. You don't like Isaiah. You don't like Lambeer. If you're a LeBron fan, you just think you just think the Pistons are overrated and would not last one second in today's NBA because they would just get, you know, ran off the court. So both fan bases, like the modern NBA LeBron fans and the 90s, 80s NBA Jordan fans don't like the bad boy Pistons. So one takes them too seriously. One don't take them seriously enough. <laughs> it's like they see the bad boy Pistons as soft and a team full of plumbers and uh, laborers and mailmen and <laughs> milkmen and stuff. <laughs> it's so funny and so disrespectful. But anyway, man, and Scottie Pippen doesn't like this document. Well, I can't say he doesn't like the documentary, but there's been reports about how he's been portrayed and how he seems selfish at times or how he seemed like a bad teammate. I mean, at the end of the day, Jordan gave him props for how he helped him win all those games, and win all those championships. That's what should matter at the end. He gave props to Jerry Krause, and that was that was nice of him. And after he cooked Jerry Krause. <laughs> I don't know. I just want Pippen to talk more in depth about The Last Dance. I'm pretty sure it's not all negative. I'm pretty sure he took some positive out of it. I mean, yeah, sure, it didn't make him look that great at some times, but... For the most part, I don't really see anything wrong with it. And on Twitter, some Bulls fans were like, we've been talking about this for years. Like, we don't, there's nothing changed with Scottie Pippen. We've known this stuff for years. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what else he says about the documentary. Craig Hodges, I learned a little bit more about Craig Hodges and, and his activism. I had no idea that he was basically Kaepernick before Kaepernick. They used basically like Chris Jackson. Like, he was basically one of those uh, woke professional athletes. And I get it. One that has an, a lot of black pride. He always felt like Jordan hasn't used his platform correctly, that he really could take care of some of the problems of the black community, but the problems of the black community are so large, like, it's bigger than just what one person can do, even with Jordan's influence and financial wealth and all that. It, you know, it's, just, it's hard to tackle just one person. And I'm pretty sure he's done things that not many people talk about, but there's only so much he can do. He still has a team to run. He still has a brand. He still has family of his own he got to worry about. So he can't just, he can only do but so much. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I, I feel like maybe Jordan did do some things to help the black community, but some of the things he did is a bad look. And even people like Chance the Rapper has touched on this. It's like they want Jordan to do more, but we don't know how much he's done. And we don't know how much he can actually help. We'll see. Uh, whatever he's doing, whatever he's doing, it's helping somebody. He's helping somebody. I don't just sit here and believe he just, he's just sitting on his money and just being a Grinch. I don't believe that. Because I've, another thing I've noticed is he's just he's just a regular country guy. 
sure, he has his flaws, but this good country guy that was raised by good parents and a good family kind of reminds me of my dad, even though, I don't know, his family situation was, eh. It wasn't as stable as Jordan's, but he grew up in, like, a similar down south environment. It has, like, similar values. So, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's just me. That's just me. But, hey, I knew not everyone was going to like this documentary. And Jordan was right. Some people are not going to view him in a positive light after watching it. And he was right. Some people don't. But then some people' opinion never changed. Someone said that on TV once, that how you feel about Michael Jordan isn't going to change with a documentary. And I totally get that. And I just, you know what I'm saying, I just love it. You know what I'm saying, I just loved everything positive that this documentary has brought. I'm thankful for it. And I just love watching it. And also, this documentary has inspired me to do more podcast shows and take my podcast more seriously and wanting to build it to make it a better show and wanting to use like Jordan's competitiveness and intensity to build my podcast to make it the best it can be. I still have a long way to go, but that helped. The last dance helped. I like how game seven, they won for Gus, one of his security guards. His three main security guards, he considered family, they all passed. John Michael Wozniak being the latest one. He's a legend now because of how he beat Jordan at pitching quarters. And he's forever going to be a meme because he did the shrug. And just the savageness of John Michael Wozniak will live on forever. And it's just been long overdue. We should have been new about this guy. You know, but he'll forever live on as, as a legend. Because of the last dance. Another positive thing that came about from the show. I, I just loved it. Um, guess we'll see what goes from here. Brady got a documentary coming out next year. See how that goes. I don't think it'll be as exciting as Jordan's, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it, and I can't wait. I can't wait. Now... Before I get to the hypothetical game of the week, I noticed that there was an article that came out that said Jordan agreed to the documentary the day that the Cleveland Cavaliers had their parade after beating the Warriors. Because I'm telling you, it makes sense. Because I never considered LeBron in the GOAT category until after that Warriors series. I've... Now I've been including him in the I've been including him in the conversation ever since. So it makes sense that it caught Jordan's attention too. Cuz a lot of buzz came about that. And it's just right on brand with Jordan looking at the last dance how he's competitive and he can be petty like he's he can be passive aggressive with his competitiveness as well. And this is one of them times where he was passive aggressive with his apparent with his competitiveness. So he agreed to do it at that time. We know what this is. Just to let people know that he's the the greatest. That people I think he said after LeBron said that he was the greatest of all time, or something along that lines. He slammed it. He was like, I didn't need to call myself the greatest of all time because it's disrespectful to everybody else that played before me, played after me. I let other people call me great. And just just those two things, just those two things, him agreeing to do the documentary after the Cavs won that title in 2016 and LeBron saying that he wanted to show people why they call him the greatest and why he doesn't have to say anything about his place all time because what he did on the court says it for him. That's what it is. 
That's what it is. But that's kind of that's kind of interesting that it happened that way. That he agreed to it at that time. Another thing is, it took them four years to do all this. But I think they started interviewing. They started doing the interviews maybe 2018. But what happened before 2018? Like, literally 2016 to 2018, what were they doing? What were they doing with the footage? Could we have gotten the last dance sooner than this year? Well, it came out at the perfect time because I don't know how hype it would have been if it came out during a regular 2017 2018 whatever though it's done i enjoyed it i might binge watch it someday and i'm ready for all the copycat documentaries that come after this so the hypothetical game of the week 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 the 99 bulls with jordan versus the 99 spurs the 99 spurs were 37 and 13 for the sake of this hypothetical game of the week we're going to put the Bulls at 39-11. and 11. So they have home court advantage. I thought the Spurs were going to have home court advantage, but they didn't. I'm just going off when Rodman said they would have went 50-0 because they would have got time to heal and be fresh for the season. But, you know, you're, you're competing against, like, 30 other teams. It, it's hard. But still, I, I kind of believe them. They wouldn't have gone 50-0, but they would have won a lot of games. So I'm going to say 99 Bulls bring everybody back. Uh, no Pippen on the Rockets, but the Rockets still make the playoffs because they got Charles Barkley and Olajuwon. <laughs> and that's, that's enough to get them to the playoffs. But we won't worry about them. They didn't go that far in this hypothetical playoffs and and game of the week this game of the week is game one of the 99 finals bulls and spurs so since the bulls made the playoffs we have to knock one team out of it that originally made it i hate to do this because the 2001 bucks are one of my favorite teams ever but in 99 they were barely a playoff team they were young barely a playoff team they don't make it in this situation so that means instead of them, the Pacers play against the Hawks. No, the Pistons. They play against the Pistons. And the Sixers play against the Magic, but they're a fifth seed. And the Heat will be third instead of second. Instead of first, they'll be third. And they play against... It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, the Hawks. So they get rid of them easily. They beat them 3-1. And the Sixers beat the Magic 3-1. The Bulls 3-2 over the Knicks. The Knicks, you know, they, they were on fire. They made it all the way to the finals. So they pushed the Bulls because they finally got themselves together. They pushed the Bulls. But Jordan in Chicago is a lot different. From morning in Miami, game five. So Jordan's too much. Get to the second round. They go against AI. The Heat and the Pacers go seven. But the Pacers win in Miami. And then the Bulls and the Sixers have about four close games. But the Bulls are too much in game five. They win the series 4-1. Jordan and AI have an epic scoring series, but it doesn't matter because as a team, the Bulls are better. On the West, same things happen. Still Spurs and Blazers in the second round. I mean, in the conference finals, Spurs get rid of them. And now you have the Spurs and the Bulls. No, before we get that to that, Spurs take care of the Blazers. The Bulls and the Pistons. Not the Pistons, the Pacers. My bad. The Bulls and the Pacers. Once again, go seven. Deja vu. This time, this time, the Pacers grab a 3-2 lead. But the Bulls win the next two games, and they take the series. 
So the Bulls are kind of worn out. They're old. Everyone's playing, but they're worn out. They're old. They just got out of two out of three grueling series, and even their second-round series was tough because they had to chase around AI. So they're worn out, and the Spurs have won all these games, kind of like the Jazz did the year before. So game one, hypothetical game of the week in Chicago, goes to the Spurs. They still game one. Duncan, 20 and 19. David Robinson, 25 and 10. They're just too much. The the supporting cast for the Spurs hit some key shots. Avery Johnson, key fourth quarter shot to put them up for. And that's that's what happens. They were just too much. So Spurs win the hypothetical game of the week, 87-83. But I got the Bulls winning the series in seven, exhausting them. And then the rebuild starts after that because – after that season, some people definitely worn out after that. Jordan definitely worn out after that. But does he go to the Wizards after a late rebuild? But for the sake of this, for the sake of this um, hypothetical game of the week, it doesn't matter. Spurs win game one, but they lose the series in seven. I was going to do my celebrity power rankings, but I didn't end up creating one. I was going to do just sports, never got around to ranking anyone. All I know is Jordan is number one, so it doesn't even matter because he's number one and he's not going to come down for the from the throne for a while. Just saying. Uh, but I will go to KBO, Korean Baseball League. So these are, out of the few live sports options we have, this has been one of the main ones. And it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I know I said on an earlier show that it's just like baseball, it's just like MLB, that I'd watch a little bit, but, but I can't focus on it for long periods of time because my attention span just don't have the strength to really keep up with that for hours like some people can. Same thing with this, but there were some good games, some good finishes, some monster home runs. The KBO is not bad, and if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't know about it. So the team that has emerged in the KBO is the NC Dinos. The NC Dinos, at the time I recorded this, 12-2. and two, I might be wrong, but the 12-2, and two, they just won three out of four against Doosan, and Doosan's the defending champs. So this team is really good. Obviously, they're 12-2, and two, and they're three games ahead of the next best team. So the NC Dinos, they're 12-2. and two. They're third and run scored. They got the most team home runs. They got the best home run to home run allowed ratio. They got the lowest ERA, but that's mostly because of two pitchers. They're third and fielding. They're just a really good all-around team, and they are on a roll. Now, can they keep that up? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. They're 12-3. and three. I just saw on TV that they lost. They lost their opening game to who the hell is that? They're still three games up on the LG Twins, who is the next best team. The Hanawan, e- the Hanawan Eagles, 7-9. and nine. That's who NC Dinos just lost to. Whatever. They're killing it. This dude, Ko uh, Chang Mo, 0.41 ERA, tied for a lead in strikeouts. And they have another pitcher, Mike Wright, 1.69 ERA. So they have two of the top five leaders in our ERA. There's no wonder why they're killing everybody. They're good on offense and defense. They're just a really good overall team. And I don't know if they can keep this up, but the way they're going right now, they out here looking like the freaking Boston Red Sox from two years ago. They're killing it. 
And then the two main batters they got, one of the main batters they got, Park Min Woo. I think he's a leadoff hitter. 3.85 batting average. Sick. Aaron Altier, or I don't know how you say his name, but Altier. He played with the Phillies. He was just on the Phillies. I think he was with the Phillies when I went to that game in Philly when the Nationals beat them on a walk-off. It was kind of a walk-off. It was top of the ninth. But he was in you know, MLB recently, and he's on this team, and he's doing well. So I'm on the NC Dinos bandwagon for now. But other people's doing well in the KBO. Uh, you got four batting – you got four – Foreign players leading in batting average. You got um, Miguel Ramos. I think it's Jose Miguel Ramos. I, he plays for Doosan. I might be wrong about his name, but he's killing it. He's like fourth in batting average. Uh, Preston Tucker leads in batting average, home runs, and RBIs, and he plays for the Kia Tigers. He's the MVP of the league so far, Mr. Preston Tucker. Uh, hopefully, I get to watch this guy soon because he is destroying the KBO right now to the point where, oh, man, we might have to get this guy in the MLB again. <laughs> but that that guy from the NC Dinos, Coaching Mo, this guy is Max Scherzer and... Jacob DeGrom combined. He is killing it. He is bodying. He makes you want to watch KBO. Can I get an amen? Now, we'll see. I I love what I see with the KBO. I love to keep watching it. Let's see what happens. I, this season's supposed to go to like October, I believe. I don't know if they do playoffs. I want to keep following it, even if the MLB comes back. I'd love to see how this ends. So, quick takes to end off the show. Dak Prescott's contract. Apparently, he got offered a five-year, $175 million contract, which is ridiculous and his last year, he would get paid $45 million. This contract would make him the highest paid quarterback ever. And he's not even, he's not even top 10. Well, I have to think about this. He's definitely not top five in the league. And I, he may be top 10. And he wants that type of money. He's using leverage and where the cap is heading. But someone made a good point. On Speak for Yourself, I think it was Marcellus Wiley, and he said the pandemic is going to cause the cap to go down, so he's not going to get as much money as he thinks he's going to get. So maybe this contract negotiation is kind of in vain because there's not as much money to go around. It won't be as much money to go around as the pandemic takes its toll. And there are less fans in the stands. But, you know, we'll see. I think it's ridiculous. And if he gets that much, I can imagine what Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are going to get. I can only imagine. Isaiah Thomas on Speak for Yourself pretty much was on half the show. I don't know how they coordinated that. Maybe he noticed that... Um. Whitlock like to cut people off because they have such a strict time window that people can't really say that much on Speak for Yourself. So he spent the whole show talking about the last dance and talking about how it seemed like him and Jordan didn't have any problems. So him and his family was kind of shocked at how Jordan talked about him when he don't really have any ill will. And he also... uh kind of talked up his Pistons, how they were the, the first people to do small ball and how they were the first to be a popular small market team. 
Uh, it's kind of all that's kind of overblown. I don't think they were the first. I don't think they were like small ball today. I don't think so. He used the guards as an example, but I don't see Edwards being anything like anybody on the Rockets or anything like even centers on the Warriors. I just don't – maybe you might have a point because Lambert could shoot inside and out. He he might have a point, but I don't think they were the first ones to, to be like that. I think you're going to have to look a little deeper than that. He might be kind of overrating his team a little bit. But also, oh, and talk about how they were the first team to really – um, play with their uniforms and have different colors. I've never seen the Pistons wear black jerseys. Yeah, sure, they embraced the Oakland Raiders thing, and they had the bad boy apparel, and, I, and they were popular in that, you know, aspect. But considering how polarizing they are, I don't think they were that popular. Like, in Detroit, like he looking at, at the lens of Detroit. The world is bigger. The nation is bigger than Detroit. <laughs> like for real, if people saw the Pistons the way they saw saw them in Detroit, yeah, they'll be more popular. But they don't. I just showed you how LeBron fans and Jordan fans are most the biggest fan bases in the NBA, and they don't respect the Pistons. Neither one of them. So he kind of overrated his team's importance in history, in the history of basketball. But he did give props to Jordan for being a great player. And to be fair, Jordan gave props to Isaiah Thomas um, being a good player. They respect each other as basketball players, but as men, I think Jordan doesn't really respect Isaiah Thomas as much as he should. But Jordan, Isaiah Thomas respect Jordan as a man, at least. But now he's kind of questioning it after what he saw in the documentary. And he doesn't like how hypocritical Jordan was about the Pistons because of how he treated his teammates and how his teammates had all these problems in the 90s despite them them winning. So I, I completely understand Isaiah Thomas's uh, point of view. You know, I don't. I don't think he's that bad of a guy, either. Do I like the Bad Boy Pistons? No. Do I look at them more positively after that doc and their own documentary on their team? Yeah, but at the end of the day, Jordan is more appealing. LeBron's more appealing. Showtime Lakers and Larry Bird is just more appealing. That's just the way it is. They were a great team, but whatever. But what, whatever. Like They're just not going to be as popular as those guys. But I'm not going to sit here and tear them down either. I'm just saying. Yeah, I give them their proper respect. But I ain't going to... I mean, I ain't going to build a shrine about them or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying. I spent too much time on that. Isaiah Thomas wants his own documentary or exploring the idea. Just him. We'll see how that goes. I I wouldn't mind seeing it because he grew up in Chicago, and I would love to see how, I guess, the intricacies of that and how he made it to Indiana and then the Pistons. I just know a little bit. I would love to know more. That would be great. Just another copycat documentary that I would love to see. So whenever you want to make it, that's fine. I'm ready. He's probably going to talk about Jordan, too. Oh, and also, he said uh, he didn't take Jordan that seriously at first because he was competing with Bird and Magic and the Sixers, and the Bulls just weren't that good until uh, the – early 90s (laughs) so I kind of understand his point of view but hey 
I like Jordan more. Luke Hill and Ishmael Leggett. Two guys who played for St. John's. I think one played football, one played basketball. But Luke Hill, just like a really good player, if you're amazingly good, like being in a WCAC is good enough. If you're good in a WCAC, that's usually good enough to get you whatever you want as far as college recruiting and all that. But if you're astronomically good, then you go to one of these prep schools like – St. Francis Academy or Oak Hill, kind of like some people did. He's another guy. So I guess he left St. John's and went to St. Francis and got all this attention, and he got recruited by OU. I'm glad he didn't go to OU. So he committed to Oregon. I guess Oregon had some trouble with him or – Something happened, and they took away their commitment. Okay. This guy was team. Well, they were classmates. Him and Leggett were classmates. Two DMV kids. Two D.C. area kids. We just finished putting D.C. area athletes in a positive light. And then they go and do this. Well, not they. Luke Hill pulled up and tried to do a drive-by on Ishmael. Um, My theory is it's got to be something girl-related. It's got to be because that doesn't make sense. You throw away your whole future to do a drive-by, and you don't even kill the guy. What's, I need to know what happened. Like, why would you try to kill someone who's on a similar grind as you, got a D1 scholarship, and you came from the same similar environment, but you want to go end his life and make things hard for his family. I don't get it. And throw away your own future. I don't get it. Just when the DMV athletics and the DMV and the D.C. area scene took two steps forward, they take one back with this nonsense. It's been happening. It keeps happening. It has to stop. Now, hopefully we know more about what happened and what caused them to do that, but it can't. It, it's got to be something dumb. It's got to be because that doesn't make sense to try to kill the guy when you got this future ahead of you. Well, he's going to be in jail because even if they don't get him, Even if the attempted murder charge is not bogus, but doesn't end up being a big deal, still got all these gun charges that he has to fight in association with that. Just this this pandemic is just bringing out the worst in people. Like, it's even brought some bad things with me too like mentally and socially I don't want to talk to anybody all of a sudden it's just a sign of the times and the strong will will prevail at the end of the day and I truly believe that uh Winston Foles have came up again because this local Philadelphia guy uh posted this thing about Foles just being better, having better stats, and how Wentz, you know the usual, how he can't stay healthy in the playoffs and how his record isn't that great and how he can't beat anybody over 500. And I'm like, man, Foles had that one good season. Other than that, oh, and he had a good rookie year. Other than that, very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. I've always wanted Wentz more because he's younger and he's just the better quarterback like sure I love Foles and how he came up big in big moments but outside of that there's a lot of mediocre a lot of failures I'm just saying I love Foles I guess he has that statue wherever it is but Wentz, 
Wentz is like that. He just needs he, what he did this past year to carry us to the playoffs. The Eagles will never be forgotten. I, this will this Wentz first Foles thing is ridiculous. You go with the younger quarterback, the younger, more athletic quarterback. And somehow, some way, Carson Wentz has been healthier than Nick Foles. I'm thankful for Nick Foles and what he did for the Eagles, but I'd rather have Carson Wentz. I'm sorry. So another thing is, I've been sucking at Madden. I'm 36 and 41 online, and I've played all my games online in the past two months. And I'm 36 and 41. I'm in three Madden leagues and one of them I just went seven and nine and most of them were forced wins because I had computer opponents there's a lot of close games and then there's some blowouts some embarrassing blowouts I lost 48 nothing I lost 41 10 I lost 44 7 in the 44 to 7 and 48 nothing games the guys ran out the clock they had wide open holes and they could have scored like three or four more times and they could have beat me 70 nothing, 70 to 7, but they wanted to they wanted to take it easy on me cuz they cuz I could not stop them. I have games like that and I throw a ton of interceptions. It's just I just appreciate Madden that is bringing out my competitive drive. It it comes out somewhere. There's a competitive drive in me. There's a competitive side in me. And it doesn't take much to bring it out. And Madden is the latest thing to bring it out. Hey, if you want to follow some of my games and you want to check out some of my past games, Mixer.com slash NoBodyCount. And the no is with two O's. You'll, you'll enjoy some of those close games. Most of them are L's. There's two 2k games on there too you'll enjoy it three 2k games so you should follow me for that i'm not ready to stream with my face on camera yet but one day i will and that will be fun too now after this episode i'm gonna take a three-week break from posting podcasts since the last dance is over and stuff. And I'm going to just study other people's podcasts. And I'm going to just figure out how to make minds better. Because I know it's not where it should be. And I know it could be better. It could be a lot better. But for now, this is what I got. So I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.